This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000. Hoping everybody has found their eggs in the Easter hunt. I'm Jeff Meller, along with Brian Hanley. Hopefully you've spotted a little furry bunny leaving a trail of eggs for all the kids out there today. Happy it's, Easter. It's not, it's not the little furry bunnies. Mm-hmm. We all love little furry bunnies. It, it Growing up, I remember being a kid and going to then Marshall Fields. And, and you know, really, the malls weren't a thing then. The seven-foot Easter bunny. <laughs> I had a college roommate. He was a junior. I was a freshman, and he was an engineering student. And I didn't, you know, I didn't know him until I got there. And he was terrified, as many people are, of clowns and and movies where the clown is you sure. know, a, a serial it's killer. Famously, yes, yeah. I, and I never got that because you know I wasn't afraid of clowns. It was the seven foot Easter Bunny walking through, you know, the, the first floor of Marshall Fields and turning the corner and running into that guy. He terrified me a bit. Um, but I, I, I just still, I, I don't, yeah, it, I, I don't, yeah, that, that, that's, I still get a little irpy maybe when that, I see. Brian, maybe that's what happens. Maybe if you're just, if you're a seven footer, but you're not good enough to make the league, your fallback plan is, is, <laughs> hey, uh, Patrick Williams has got a career. <laughs> He's got an alternative. He's got a second chapter of uh, one, uh, one week or two weeks a year. Don't go there. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Too soon, too soon, too soon, Brian. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no. I, uh, but anyway, enjoy the uh, Easter festivities today for all those out there celebrating. And if not, just enjoy what looks to be a pretty good weather day here in the city of Chicago. Um, yeah, I spent most of the day yesterday when I wasn't watching baseball and the Masters putting out the outdoor furniture, which gets a little more difficult each and every year. Um, you know, get uh, storage and put and clean it off and put it out on the, you know, the patio and everything else. And uh yeah, I, I'm a little achy today. I think the move, the move there is just to uh, not put it away. You need to grab some uh, some patio furniture covers and just throw the covers on at this stage and then take them off when the winter's over. See, you have to have a plan. I didn't even think about that. I've just been doing what I've been doing forever. But as I uh, get, you know, I'm Freddie Couples' age, it's maybe I should go with the covers next year. Um, all right. So I, I did. This came across this week. Uh, the Athletic did a great piece uh, authored by Kevin Fishbane who will join us in about 30 minutes from now, Adam Johns and Joe Pearson, who covers the Panthers for The Athletic. And they had an extensive piece talking with those inside both organizations about how the the Bears and Panthers deal for the number one overall pick, which we've talked about quite a bit here on ESP 1000, and we will continue to do so up through the draft and well after that because – there's no doubt that this trade is going to help shape the fortunes of the Bears organization for a long, long time. Some interesting nuggets, though, inside this piece uh, by Fishbane, Johns, and Pearson. And again, Fishbane will join us in about 30 minutes from now. But what struck me was, in particular, Bry, the notes, uh, and I'll read it for those who may have missed it, haven't had an opportunity to read it. And if you didn't, I, I encourage you to check it out because it's, it's a great a terrific, piece. It's a terrific piece. And look, The Athletic does this as good, if not better, than any other media outlet. The, these behind the scenes, mm-hmm. how did it all come together? It takes a lot. It takes great relationships. It takes, you know, being intimately uh, knowledgeable about 
the the movers and shakers of your team and them willing to be able to share stuff with you. It's a great, I mean, it, there were so many layers to this thing. And at the end of it, you, you, you have questions and rightfully so. So in particular, what struck me was the line where you get, now this is, uh, this is not a quote, but they, they give you a quote to back it up. And inside the piece on Ryan Poles, it was noted, the outside possibility that no trade would materialize did keep Poles up at night. And then the follow-up quote, that's the anxiety in the parts of this job that no one sees, Poles said. It's sitting up in bed at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning working through the scenarios and being like, I have this great situation and I can't get out. It's like a dream where you can't run away. Now, the one thing that has struck me, you know, watching Ryan Poles in this job for the first time, watching it play out, I can't remember a GM ever being this open and honest about his affairs with his organization, you know. And it's cool as a fan base. It's great to get this insight so honest from the general manager but it's concerning to me when you read that statement i'm a bit you wonder because it was a fair criticism did ryan poles make the trade too soon because he did it extremely early earlier than most people had ever seen you know in the nfl draft to move the first pick in early march and a lot of people wondered okay he made the deal because he got what he wanted, but could he have gotten more? And my initial reaction was just, you know what? You get two future first-round picks. You get DJ Moore, who you deemed valuable enough to be worth a first-round pick, if not more, because of the team-friendly contract that you have him on. And so at the time, in addition to uh, a couple of second-round picks as well, at the time I was like, you know what? He got a haul. That's a great move. I have no problem with him making the move understanding that he wanted to know where he was at heading into free agency. He wanted to know what money he might have to account for on the cap. But now as things have played out, reading that quote, I wonder, was Ryan Poles just so anxious about it that he, wa- he wanted to just grab the first deal that he, he felt, you know, equitable when there was mo- more to be made? You know, there was more hate to be made. And I do wonder when I read stuff like that, did he make this move too soon? And Jeff, it's a legitimate question. And when you also read in this piece that mm-hmm. two defensive players were might have been his first two choices, yes. he he was insistent on getting a player and picks. Not he wasn't going to. He made it clear to Carolina that all picks was not going to be a deal. Not not with the Chicago Bears. So he had to have someone that he could plug in here immediately. And it seemed to be that he was more interested in either of the defensive players yes. he identified. Until you got to DJ Moore, because Carolina wasn't interested in parting as much as they claim in the in the article that uh, they didn't want to give up DJ Moore. Yes, um, they didn't. Certainly, they didn't give up the defensive players that the Bears were asking about. Um, well, the positive I come away with it not only is he very transparent, which is so an- antithetical to football. I don't care college and, and, and football coaches. You know, if you ask them if it's sunny out, they usually tell you to go check for yourself. They they you know they don't want they don't want to give you any uh, you know competitive advantage out there so they're paranoid usually right in, in only in the building will they have a conversation and he's not that guy he's been very transparent um, but the fact of the matter is he did do something that's not traditionally done he did 
not wait till a team was on the clock or the the day of the you know the the draft. But if you're looking for some solace, that Ryan Pace, I hope this may be the last show I ever mention his name. He went rogue and he seemed to keep everything close to the vest to the point where John Fox didn't even know that they were going to get Trubisky and and move up and pay the premium they did to move up a spot. Mm-hmm. And so the coach was caught blindsided till an hours hours before the draft. Yeah. At least as much as that old regime talked about collaboration, this story tells you who's in the room, who you know, he's having his his um advanced metric guys going through and looking for wins over Mm-hmm. Expectations. So, I he's mean, consulting he's, with Kyle Davidson. How about that? I mean, what? I, I can't wait to talk to Kevin. I, I that kind of stopped me cold, right? <laughs> Kyle Davidson new to the job too. <laughs> all those, so, all that year of experience that Kyle Davidson had that he had to uh, dig into. I mean, God bless, but it wasn't like he was calling Scotty Bowman in his prime yeah. and asking him. <laughs> Thank God it wasn't Stan Bowman. But there's so much in here and there's yeah. uh, so, so much information. But my point is that at least whether he jumped a gun or not, we'll, we'll, you know, time will tell, certainly. But I was impressed that he did his due diligence talking to interviewing the top three or four quarterbacks that mm-hmm. other teams were interested in. The Bears weren't. But Ryan Pace, remember, didn't even meet with Deshaun Watson. Yes. Yeah, I mean, didn't. Didn't you know he was whining and dining Mitch Trubisky to a fault, but he didn't have so much at the time. We didn't know Deshaun had issues. Correct. But he didn't even take him to lunch or you know buy him a cup of coffee. But Ryan there's, Poles, there's no there's no way Ryan Pace could have gotten to the bottom of any issues he might have believed Deshaun Watson could have had in the future because seriously. he didn't decide to. He decided it wasn't worth his time to meet with him. Absolutely. So so he knew walking away from those interviews with these top quarterback prospects that he was so impressed with them, and so were the Bears brass that. All these other teams who were in the market for drafting a, a quarterback high up would certainly be as impressed, if not more so, because, you know, that. And the other thing is that um, Ryan Poles had interviewed at Carolina for the job down there. So he had a sense of what the new owner, who's worth $18 billion, by the way, mm-hmm. how aggressive he was going to be. So he kind of, you know, put that, filed that away and thought, okay. That's the team. I think I know what the owner, he's going to want to to jump in here, and he's not going to shy away from something. Um, but we'll talk to Kevin on his takeaway. But I, my point is he did due diligence in, in different respects and you know, used a pass interview for a job he didn't land and hopefully used it in a positive way with the job he has now. Yeah, no, and and this certainly, this deal could certainly end up being a coup for the Bears, and they end up, being they may very well end up being happy with the return but there's a couple more points inside the athletic piece again authored by kevin fishbane adam johns and joe person we will talk with kevin fishbane at 10 35 but there's a couple more pieces one of which you alluded to which i'd like to continue to unpack and also your calls 312-332-3776 talking a little bears on the home of the chicago bears espn 1000 Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Jeff Miller, Brian Hanley hanging out with you here on ESPN 1000 until 11 o'clock talking some bears as we unpack a really extensive article in The Athletic by Kevin Fishbane, Adam Johns, and Joe Pearson 
Person, I'm sorry, I keep saying Pearson. Uh, Joe Person, who covers the Panthers for the Athletic, uh, they did a really deep dive on the backstory between the Bears and Panthers making this deal for the number one overall pick. And Kevin Fishbane is going to join us in about 15 minutes from now as we talk about it. And you mentioned it, Bry. There were three players that Ryan Poles was keen to try and grab, at least one of them, in making this deal with the Panthers. And he mentioned Brian Burns, the elite edge rusher for the Panthers, who's had double-digit sacks a couple times in his career and is one of the best pass rushers in the league. And also Derek Brown, a first-round pick, uh, a dominant three-technique interior lineman for the Panthers, and of course DJ Moore, who the Bears ultimately received in that deal. But it was interesting because Scott Fitterer had a quote in here where he said, there were certain players that we never really wanted to trade. It's so hard to replace a Derek Brown or Brian Burns, a pass rusher, an interior dominant young player on a first contract. DJ, we didn't want to move either, but it's a little bit easier to replace a receiver than it is a pass rusher or a three-tech. So clearly, Fitter, you know, I think this is a situation where he's showing, your, showing, showing his cards in the situation because I think it clearly shows that those two were kind of a deal breaker for the Panthers. They weren't going to add them into the trade to get up to number one, but they were willing to part with DJ Moore. And then a little bit later, they also note, or Scott Fitter does, about how the Panthers really didn't want to give up this year's second round pick that they had in this deal as well, which is number 39 overall. They eventually traded the second round pick that they got for Christian McCaffrey when they traded him to the 49ers, which was number 61 overall. And Scott Fitterer notes, we didn't want to have that big gap in there. We thought the sweet spot in this class is somewhere between 20 and 45. Just really good value in there. At 61, that's a heck of a fall. And you're going to watch a lot of good players get taken. So a couple of points there where I think Mm -hmm. Fitter kind of lets us know that, you know what, there was maybe a little more value to extract by Ryan Poles if he really wanted to push this situation. But as they noted earlier in the article, Ryan Poles felt anxiety about dealing with all these trades and he didn't want the trade to go away. So this is where I wonder, you know, if I think time was on Ryan Poles' side because he sat in the power position, right? They had the number one pick and they know that somewhere, somehow, some way, somebody was going to be willing to trade up for the number one pick. But ultimately, he got enough, what he deemed enough. And so he said, you know what? I'm going to take a bird in the hand, which, you know, is a prudent move. But I do wonder, you know, if did, he, did he let his anxiety get the best of him? Yeah, I mean, and, you, and you're right. I mean, it's a, it's a legitimate question, a legitimate takeaway from this great piece because, okay, if you settle on one of those, that, you know, the Carolina is not going to part with either of the defensive players. Now, we don't know how the Bears rated or, or scored the defensive players versus DJ Moore, mm-hmm. but it wasn't even a conversation that the Panthers were going to engage in. So you end up having to take one of the three, and maybe the third of the three that that you talked about. And to your point about the draft pick, 39 to 61, and Fitterer being as transparent as Poles is saying, well, you know, there's a huge valley there, and we're not not giving away a place where you can find a legit player versus an IFCOM at 61. So did he settle not once but twice? Because, as you noted, he didn't want all the deals to go away. 
And all these people who thought it was a slam dunk that the Colts were moving up from four to they were going to be the dance partner with the Bears. I never got that. Mm-hmm. I never felt that. But a lot of people were writing it because they're desperate in Indianapolis to get the quarterback. And Chris Ballard, you know, used to work for the Bears and interviewed to to be the uh, Bears GM when when Pace got the job. Um, but it just seems like when you have an owner that maybe doesn't allow his GM to do everything a GM should be able to do in Indianapolis, that that was going to be something. But they mentioned it. They had conversations, but it didn't go very far, if at all. Right. So, the, yeah, the anxiety of, of Ryan Paul saying he's up at night wondering if they're going to be able to make this trade. And he he did not want to utilize the pick. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the last thing you want to do. So did he settle? And uh, we'll get Kevin's take on that in a few minutes. But it's a legitimate question because not once but twice did uh, Scott Fitterer say, no, that, was, that wasn't going to happen. And don't, We weren't doing that. And we haven't even mentioned yet, but we did in previous weeks. Ryan Poles told Peter King that he had visions of making a huge trade where first he would move down to two with the Texans. And then he would flip the two to the Panthers and he would actually add probably what would have been at least an additional second round pick if not more from the Texans had that deal come together the way he had hoped but he had concerns that the Texans weren't going to make the move quick enough and so he wanted to grab what he could ensure that he had way back uh, a couple weeks ago early in March and so you know it's just everything all this stuff that Ryan Poles is putting out there on public record is just it's great. It's great for us to consume and talk about. But I do wonder, like, is he is he showing us that, hey, um, I'm a little you know, I'm a little bit anxious right now because I am in this position for the first time. And, you know, having the patience, that's part of the skill of being a general manager. Right. Maybe making your peers sweat a little bit because they want to go up for that first round pick where they get a little more desperate. And that's where I think waiting a little bit longer would have been on Ryan Poles' side, but uh, feel free to join us, 312-332-3776. That's how Bear Fan Bob got in. Bear Fan Bob, what's going on, man? Good morning and happy Easter to both of you. You as well. So, long story short, I've been in retail for probably 50 years, maybe a little longer. Mm-hmm. A bird in the hand is always better than two in the bush. And for a young GM to do what he did and have uh, what they would say, the German word for that would be angst. <laughs> a little bit of anger, a little bit of upset, a little bit of non-sleep, no place to pull over and think about it for a minute because you are a GM. Would would sound, That sounds pretty normal, and that sounds about right. It really does because, you know, when I was in business and I had these kind of deals with the same thing going on, I, I felt the same way too. That, that sounds exactly right. And actually, I think he did it absolutely right because what he did is he set his team up for the future, not today. If he would have waited and played around, you don't know. If is, is, is not a word that you do when you're playing with players and big dollars like this and big trades. Forget it. You know, if you hold out, you could have lost more instead of gained more with a situation like this. So I think he did it absolutely right. I probably would have done the same thing. And hooray for Ryan Poles because he did set the Bears up for this year and next year, and for the guys you didn't get from Carolina, okay, go out and get guys in the draft. Maybe you find some somebody like that in the second round. 
you know, some of those uh, defensive and offensive line players that you talked about. I'm not draft savvy because I don't watch college football, but uh, and, and develop them. I'm sure they'll be there because there always is. So, guys, I got to get to Indiana. Have a great day and happy Easter once again. Take Thanks, care. Thanks, Robert. Bye bye. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate it as always the call and the passion. Um, thoughts, Bry, on Bob's uh, points? Well, look, he, he's absolutely right. And Ryan Pulse talks about it in the piece. You got two first round picks next year. Don't know where there's going to be, but you think Carolina with a, a rookie quarterback, they hope they're going to make, you know, it's going to pay immediate di- dividends, but it's going to probably be some growing pain. So you hope that's a relatively high pick. And the Bears are still very early in their rebuild. And even now, you know, assuming that Aaron Rodgers eventually is wearing a Jets uniform, is that still going on? Um, you know, the Just division waiting. may Just waiting, yeah, the, Bri. The division may be in play, but it, it's a crapshoot whether the Bears could be certainly be a playoff team um, short of winning the division. Um, so, but I, I think your question's legitimate. Did you settle? And both teams, here's the thing, both, both teams – seemed content, or if not uh, very exuberant about the deal they pulled off. And ultimately, you, you would think that's the best trade if both teams eventually are very happy with how it turned out. But by the end of this uh, great athletic piece, I got the impression that there was a hell of a lot of celebrating going on down in Carolina, too. Mm-hmm. And they, I think they, then they, you would have to think in your heart of hearts, you, you got the best of the deal, at least – in the short term, you, you walk away thinking you got what you wanted. My, and I'm sure Ryan Poles believes that, too. My takeaway after reading this piece, and again, Kevin Fishbane in about five minutes from now will join us to give us his thoughts as well on this. Um, but my, my big takeaway ultimately was that I got the feeling that Scott Fitter and David Tepper, the Panthers owner and GM, um, I got the feeling that the Panthers were smitten that they were able to pull off the deal as early as they were without committing to either including uh, Brown or Burns or that high second round pick. You know, I think that was kind of where the Panthers were probably holding out and thinking, okay, well, maybe we wait a little bit. Maybe we wait after free agency settles. And then if push comes to shove and things don't go our way or we really want to go back in on this, we can always have this in our back pocket where we can add that, you know, that higher second round sweetener to kind of pull off this deal. I think they were kind of surprised that Ryan Poles was willing to make the deal so early without the Panthers being forced to meet his price, right? Like, well, he, they, he seemed they to seemed, accept what they were willing to give. Well, they seemed to also know, as as good organization would be doing, uh, what the landscape looked like and who the other suitors were, which other teams were interested. And you mentioned Houston, and, you know, they're, they're lukewarm about it, but and, and the Colts weren't really serious about it. As money, you know, we said there's probably eight, ten teams that needed a quarterback. How many were willing to even come close to, to making that you know, matching the ask for for the number one overall pick, and so Carolina might have thought, well, if uh, if if we hold fast to what our our you know what we won't do, um, they felt pretty good about it because they didn't think there were other teams being overly aggressive to to make that deal. He's Brian Hanley. I'm Jeff Meller. Let's talk with the man who authored that piece along with his colleagues Adam Johns and Joe Person. Kevin Fishbane joins us next. Listen to the show in HD at 100.3 HD2 FM. This is Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Jeff 
Miller, Brian Hantley, hanging out with you on this Easter Sunday on ESPN 1000. Don't forget, you can always catch us on 100.3 HD2 or the ESPN Chicago app as well. And you can watch us live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash ESPN 1000 Chicago or brand new on YouTube on the ESPN Chicago channel. Uh, hoping to catch up with Kevin Fishbane here momentarily as we've been talking about the athletic piece about the Bears trade with the Panthers. One follow-up note um, when put into, you know, in conjunction with this article, Bry, that I've been thinking about a little bit is the way free agency plays out where... It's, you know, the Bears were in on Mike McGlinchey. They clearly wanted him, but the Broncos were willing to pay him a little bit more. And perhaps uh, Denver was maybe just a little bit more appealing with Sean Payton taking over as the head coach there. And then to see Javon Hargrave end up in San Francisco, which uh, Dan Weeder, I saw, was reporting um, in the Chicago Tribune earlier this week that that was something that that was a player that both that. A lot in the Bears organization were hopeful they might be able to have a chance at. And then when Hargrave went to San Francisco, Draymond Jones was the next target on their list. And he ended up in Seattle because the Seahawks were willing to pay him more than the number where the Bears were willing to go. So it's interesting to me to see the defensive line sit in the situation where it is, read how, you know, Poles had interest in the Panthers defensive lineman. He can't land those free agents when he has more money than anybody. So while it's admirable to have the patience not to go on a spending spree, it's also, you know, you wonder, okay, you're, are you putting yourself in a position where you're forcing your hand in the draft, Bri? Well, that that's a, a great point because you did have the money now. You can look at it, like you said, laud the discipline and saying this is where we value a player and we're not getting in a bidding war if we don't feel comfortable going there, even though we could. Or you could say, well, um, maybe Jalen Carter's in play at number nine and you're going to you think you're going to get a a great value there because, well, now there's certainty on his issues with what went on with the, the auto accident mm-hmm. and he's accepted a plea or he made a plea that which was accepted. So, you know, exactly what uh, the adjudication of the case was going to be. And he can move on with his football career and you interviewed him. You've had him up to Hallis hall. So question is how comfortable are you rolling the dice? Even if in fact you are going to a number nine with that player who was being talked about as one or two in the draft, right? Yep. Um, I assume I assume if he's there, they're going to take him. That would just be my assumption. I could be incorrect, but I think they're going to fill that defensive. Uh, you know, they're going to work on the defense with that number nine pick. I believe that if if they don't move down yet again as we get closer to, if not on draft day, and but I think they're going to utilize the pick, and I think it's going to be Jalen Carter. I tend to agree. If Car- Carter's on the board, I think the Bears will probably take him. The good news is they're still in the top ten, so Drew Rosenhaus allowed his client Jalen Carter to meet with the Bears. Um, let's bring in Kevin Fishbane of The Athletic as we've been talking about his piece with uh, his teammates Adam Johns and Joe Pier- uh, Person. In the athletic, Kevin, uh, great work. I want to say we uh, have been talking a lot about your piece on the Bears Panthers deal. Um, excellent stuff. A lot of great insight inside your article there. Yeah, appreciate that, guys. All right, Kevin. So the one thing that struck me though, and I've been talking about it, is 
the anxiety that Ryan Poles admitted to. And I just it leads me to wonder, especially when Ryan Poles has been so transparent about this deal and how it came together and, you know, possible machinations about what he may have envisioned could have happened. Do you think he let his anxiety push him to make this deal sooner than he needed to? I mean, it's possible. Like, you know, if you look at all the teams he was talking to, uh, you look at the way the quarterbacks are in this draft. I mean, if he wanted to hold that number one pick for ransom all the way until draft day, he could have. Um, but I, you just have to weigh that with, A, you got D.J. Moore. Uh, B, you were able to enter free agency and now the draft knowing you have D.J. Moore, knowing what picks you have. I think there's a value to that. So if you want to say, okay, you know, they ended up getting the second in 2025 instead of a first. And maybe if they waited longer, they get the first instead of the second. Maybe, you know, that that's, I, I, I really think that might be the only uh, possible improvement, I guess, if you move forward. Because if you look at the other teams, right, you look at the Raiders um, and, and you look at some of the other teams that might have been involved. I mean, were they going to be able to present a player at DJ Morris? caliber i don't i don't think so i'm not not sure if you look at those rosters um could they have waited longer and decided they wanted brian burns instead of from carolina and and continue negotiating but maybe carolina would just say we're done so i i get both sides of it i can see how it goes back and forth but i think for ryan poles to get it done before free agency to help him know exactly what his roster looks like what his draft slots are going to look like into free agency and then not into the draft i think he kind of valued that a lot uh going through the process and Kevin, I echo what uh, Jeff said about I love these pieces, and, and very few uh, media organizations allow the writers the resources and the time to do these behind-the-scenes things. And you, you have to have the relationships with the, the principal players to, to you know develop a story like this. But if you're not reading The Athletic, you're, you're just not a serious sports fan. That said, you know, it seemed like the Bears, uh, from reading the, your piece, the, their only deal-breaker was there had to be a player – involved and wasn't going to be all draft picks and you know whether they settled on dj Moore versus the other two defensive players in burns and brown you know who knows but um because brian poles was insisting on a player and you mentioned the raiders might have not had a player of interest was that draft market that trade market not as robust as maybe we had believed uh for the number one pick overall because the bears were insistent they had to have a player involved yeah, it's a good point. It's possible. You know, when I bring up the Raiders, I'm just kind of like, you know, I'm just kind of thinking of the roster, and I'm just trying to think of, well, who would you have wanted from that team, right? You know, I just, I just don't, I can't think of, you know, Darren Waller. Like, is that the guy that who's, you know, he's not, he obviously got traded to the Giants. Like, is that somebody you would have been talking about with them in that trade? Um, you look at the Colts, you know, we, I don't think they would want to give up Michael Pittman. Um, is that the player that they would want from them? Uh, you know, so it just kind of depends, you know, Texans again, like what, who, what player are you really clamoring for that's on the Texans that they're willing to give up at this point in the process? So, you know, I, I, like Carolina was in a decent position where they had, they're in full kind of rebuild mode. They're going to start over with a new quarterback. They gave up the draft picks to do so. So, you know, they were probably the one that was more willing to part ways. And, and you saw the quote from Scott Bitter, the Panthers GM. You know, he said that, you know, he looks at DJ Moore as, frankly, more replaceable than those two defensive guys. So you can say, hey, Ryan Poles should have been holding out for the guys who were less replaceable. Mm-hmm. But I, I look at this in this trade, everything's about Justin Fields, right? Yep. So, you know, you get, you get, Justin, you get DJ Moore for Justin Fields. 
you know, there again, you, there's added value in that when you go through all the other options um, that was that was presented to them. So, you know, I I, I, I kind of can see what Ryan Poles is looking at. And the other thing too, and you guys, we talked about this when they traded for Chase Claypool. There just aren't great wide receivers that you can just go get. You know, I was looking back a year ago at this time. We put out our top 2023 free agents, and looking ahead on that list, Terry McLaurin, Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf. Well, what happened? All those guys signed extension. So I have a feeling it's possible a year ago, Ryan Poles was looking at that same list and thinking, well, we'll be fine because we'll just trade for one of those guys mm-hmm. or we'll sign one of those guys. And they all signed extension. So, and you know, if you look at all the receivers that potentially are available, I, I mean, look, and you can have another conversation about Jackson Smith and Jigba and if there's still some, if it's still worth taking him at a certain spot if you trade back or where to take a receiver. I, just, I still think receivers in need, but you just weren't going to find anybody. Uh, of the talent level of DJ Moore, except through this trade. No, and, and they're all fair points you bring up there. Kevin Fishbane of The Athletic joining us here on ESPN 1000, Miller and Hanley with you. Um, great points there, Kevin. And, and I by no means am, uh, was overly critical of Ryan Poles for making the deal. When he did, I'm happy with the return that he did get. It does, all in all, as you point out, you know, it's, it's, he knew what he had at that point. And then heading into free agency, there was something to be said for knowing the cost certainty that you had when you were adding DJ Moore to the roster before free agency. So you know, so you knew what you had to work with. But then I wonder, too, you, you know, we go into free agency and we watch as uh, Mike McGlinchey, who the Bears were rumored to be after, ends up in Denver. And then we later find out um, Javon Hargrave and uh, Draymond Jones, also some targets that for the Bears end up in different places. And I guess I just wonder, and it, again, a criticism or is it being prudent and does he deserve accolades for this? Knowing the number he doesn't want to surpass, he being Ryan Poles, and saying, you know what, I'm not going to break the bank in free agency where oftentimes you, you're left disappointed. But when you have all this you know, flux of cash in your back pocket, was this the year where maybe adding one of those players and maybe going a little bit above your comfort zone would have been worthwhile? Yeah, it's, you know, it's hard, right? Because you're not building a championship team with Mike McClinchy and Draymond Jones, but you're... Who are you building it with? Because there's nobody left, mm-hmm. right? And like you know, if they draft you know Paris Johnson, um, you know, or if they draft Jalen Carter, you can you can make the argument why there's some value there. You talk about the rookie contracts to the talent level of those guys and where they're at, age, you know, all those things, all those particulars. But that's still not a championship team. I mean, the, the, the you know the underri- underlying thing about this entire franchise is it's a bad team. Like they have so many holes. Which I think goes to your point. Like, why not to spend a little extra cash because you have it? Just because you need guys. Like, you need good players. You look at this defensive front, um, the, the pass rush, and you just don't have the players that can really, you know, affect the quarterback consistently. And you, you, you're at this point, you need to find them in the draft. Now, I will say too, there's going to be some guys who become available after the draft, some veterans, nobody at that level, but there will be some other players. And, you know, this trade market's still there. I mean, we've seen their high polls, not afraid to talk to GMs and figure out trade value that they're still going to have the cap space. And obviously they're going to do an extension or two that allows them to spend some cash. But, you know, maybe he's got his sights set higher. You know, maybe he's just looking and says, I'm, I'm willing to spend above X for a Pro Bowl player. I'm just not going to do it. Or you know Mike McGlinchey, I, I do think that they were they were in that bidding war. I mean, they certainly seemed like they were ready to potentially pay more than 
what you know. I, I guess I don't know what his value is what he's what he's being made, what he's getting paid. Um, but I totally understand. I, I'm totally with you. Like you look at what they did in free agency, and they've obviously added a lot of players. I think they've added a lot of upgrades. We look at all the cash they still have left. You're like, well, you could have added two or three more players, and, and they're putting a lot of pressure on the draft, of mm-hmm. course. Um, but look, this is this is a long rebuild, and you know Ryan Poles is obviously banking on some patience from ownership, right? Which George Pekaski always tells us he's not a patient person. Um, but uh, you know, so many of these moves are almost more about 2024 than they are about 2023. You know, George might say he's not a patient person, but. I, I mean, I would argue that Bears, you, you get plenty of time to, to hang yourself. You get six or seven seasons sometimes to be really, really bad to the point where, you know, they finally say goodbye to you. Um, my question, though, Kevin, is a you know, great anecdote in the story about him, uh, Ryan, calling uh, Kyle Davidson. Uh, did Patrick Kane have the Bears on his no trade? Or did, was he going to waive his uh, no trade movement to go to the Bears? That, that was the call, Kyle <laughs> Davidson, it, it, that, that's a great little nugget, but maybe explain to our listeners what he was trying to do there when he was picking Kyle Davidson's brain. Yeah, well, it's been funny to see, you know, the, the rabid Blackhawks fans uh, <laughs> pointing out that maybe he's not the right, right person to talk to when it comes to uh, getting, getting good value in trade and trade returns. So you know, we, it goes back to what we talked about at the top, right? Ryan Poles decided at the beginning, I'm going to get a player. I have this amazing commodity, of the, which is the number one pick. I know people are going to give me draft picks, but I want a player because, again, the Bears need good players. And we, if you go through these trades for the NFL and the NFL for number one, number two picks, you don't see players involved. So he just wanted to get an understanding, okay, this is pretty common in hockey, so what are some of the metrics they use to make those decisions of how you figure out which player is the best fit um, to, to get good value. So talking to Kyle Davidson, I think they came up, you know, that he learned about the you know, wins above replacements or whatever, you know, kind of the equivalent is that they use in the NHL. And his and Ryan Poles' analytics team kind of applied that to what they were doing, knowing, all right, let, let's use kind of what the Blackhawks use. Let's just kind of put this as part of our puzzle that we're building here to figure out who are the best players to add. Um, so, look, I, I'm all for creativity. I'm all for going outside sure. the box. You know, again, you could – you can certainly, you know, uh, make some what I would think would be very good jokes about the, the, the state of the Blackhawks right now and, and, and you know, who, who you're talking to. But then again, guys, you look at the GMs in town. Who else is he going to talk to? <laughs> Sad. Uh, um, last thing I have for you, as Kevin Fishbane of The Athletic joins us to discuss uh, his excellent piece with Adam Johns and Joe Person. Um, Kevin, so... Had Ryan Poles landed one of those free agents that they were interested in, whether it be McGlinchey or Jones or Har- uh, Hillgrave, had he been able to land any one of those, I think you know the key would have been, hey, you've got a little more flexibility with your f- your first round pick right now, which where they sit at number nine overall. But it feels like there's still so many holes on this roster. Had again, I didn't have a preference necessarily, but if you add a good player on the line or a good player on whether it's the offensive or defensive line. They would have had a little more flexibility with this ninth overall pick. It feels like they've forced their hands to the point where it basically has to be whoever's on the board, whether it be Jalen Carter, maybe Paris Johnson, Peter Skaronsky, if you, how you, however you feel about him. But like, it feels like they've almost forced their hand into having to take, you know, somebody on the line with that ninth pick. You know, just to prove a point, I think Ryan Poles is going to take a cornerback now. <laughs> I think he's going to say, and, you know, he, and, I, and I'm kind of half joking about that mm-hmm. because. And he is, like all GMs, you know, we're adamant we're going to take the best player available. We're going to take the guy with the best value. And 
I just I, I wouldn't I would not ignore the cornerback position because I just think that look we, we what did he do with his first two picks last year? I understand second round way different than number nine. He went out and bolstered the secondary. They still need help at cornerback. Like you, you know, who's who's your third starter? Are you sure that you're going to re-sign Jalen Johnson? Like, there's a lot of questions there still, and you have two really really good players who could both be there at nine. So I, I always like to kind of make sure we don't forget about that position because it is the premium position. But you're right. I do think that they're in this in this spot, and and they would probably spin it like, hey, it's a good spot to be in because we we're probably going to be able to draft the best offensive tackle um, in, in the draft. Jalen Carter, who's the best defensive tackle draft, could be there for them. So, you know, because of the way the quarterbacks are, maybe they feel okay about that spot. But, you know, Ryan Poles has said over and over again that you know, he does not ever want to be in a position where he's forced to go need, whether it's free agency or the draft. So I, I, it's going to be an interesting spot for him, you know, because here's we've all been waiting for this, too, since Ryan Poles got hired. The former offensive lineman, using major resources on an offensive lineman. He has not done it yet, right? Like, he used all those day three picks on offensive linemen last year. He spent very little money on Lucas Patrick and Riley Reef. He, you know, was in the Mike McGlinchey bidding wars, but didn't, you know, didn't get him. So this is his opportunity. So if there's, like, there's a lot of – if they take an offensive lineman with the first-round pick, everyone's like, hey, Ryan Poles, Ian Cunningham, former offensive lineman. The Bears have waited for so many years. It's been since Gabe Karimi. They're taking a tackle, uh, so there's a lot of pressure on them to make this pick correct and to make it, a, and for that player to really, you know, stand out. Gabe well, Karimi, oh boy, that's how we're going to end it. <laughs> oh, I love it. Maybe you know what? Maybe uh, Ryan Poles will make make everybody's head explode and make the most Great. polarizing pick, and he'll maybe he'll take Bijan Robinson, and everybody can just lose their minds or fully supported if they were raised in the 80s and watching Walter Payton. Can, can we agree he's going to use the pick, or is he going to trade? I mean, is there no, percentage? No, we can't, no. right, well, right I Kevin? Could, I, I could I could absolutely see him trading back. I really could because, you know, I think you look at a guy like Lucas Van Ness, for example, you know, again, these box drafts are, you got to take him a little bit of the grain of salt because every, all 32 teams have their own draft boards. But, you know, he's somebody, for example. Uh, you look at uh, Nolan Smith out of Georgia. You know, some of these guys could be there in the teams that can help the defense and they can get some more draft capital too. And I'll throw another scenario out there. What if they use those, they have those three picks in the 10 pick span at the end of round two, start of round three, they could trade back up to the bottom of the first if they want to, uh, to, to grab somebody. So I, I'm very, it, it's going to be quite the draft for them. There's a lot of flexibility, a lot of opportunity. The Bears haven't been in the spot with all of this, all these opportunities in the draft in a long time. Love it. Thanks so much, Kevin. We appreciate your time today, man. All right, take care, guys. Kevin Fishbane of The Athletic. Mellor and Hanley, back to wrap it up next. Listen to us now, live on the ESPN Chicago app. This is Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Thanks again to Kevin Fishbane of The Athletic and Jesse Rogers of ESPN and ESPN 1000 for joining us today. Thanks to my man Jake Cantu for producing as well, Bri. Any plans for uh, Easter Sunday here? Uh, not moving furniture. Um, <laughs> staying away from seven-foot Easter bunnies and uh, probably watching a lot of Masters uh, and, and baseball. You know, yeah. Michael Kopech, if I hope he's not tipping pitches today. Please. So- sounds like a fabulous plan. My man, we will uh, do it again next Sunday. Thanks to you, Bry, and uh, keep it locked here. You've got, as Bry said, Michael Kopech. The White Sox pregame coverage against the Pirates starts at noon right here on ESPN 1000.